You're invited to I Am The Cute One, the most chaotic school dance in the podcast universe. Let's spike the punch, grind to Usher, and recap some of the cutest movies that made our millennial minds explode. Hello, I am Chelsea, and I am the cute one. And I am Donnie, and I am the cute one. And today we are joined with a very special cute one. Some have called him the artist of our generation, but I just call him my brother. (laughs) Welcome to the show, Dylan. Hey, guys. What's going on? Hey. So right off the top, I want to know exactly how many minutes of our podcast have you listened to? (laughs) Um, I listened to the first two minutes of the episode you sent me. To listen to. Wonderful. <laughs> nice and prepared. So supportive. Thank you. You didn't get to the movie that you were talking about, but we rarely do. Not till about minute 35. <laughs> okay. All right. Good to know. So this week's episode, we're talking about one of our family's go-to classic movies, Home for the Holidays. We watch it almost every Thanksgiving, sometimes on Thanksgiving and Christmas. And it was Donnie's very first time watching it. How was your experience, Donnie? I enjoyed it. I do think it's a good movie. People at the box office didn't agree. We'll get into that in a little bit. But I thought it was a good movie. You were children watching this? Like, what do kids find enjoyable about this movie? Well, so I don't think this movie... Like, when did mom and dad first bring this movie into our lives? It was like probably five to ten years ago, right? I think I was in high school when we Uh, first started watching it. So... Dylan is the only movie person in our family. So I don't think my mom had seen it until 10 years ago. Mm. She watched it and had like a visceral reaction of like, oh my God, this is my family. And then it became like a tradition where we basically watch it with her so that she can point out all of the characters (laughs) that we agree are her family. Okay. I thought this was like, instead of Home Alone, you were watching this as a (laughs) five-year-old. So that makes me feel better because I was triggered this entire movie. You texted me and asked me what I wanted to include in the outline. I was like, I couldn't tell you one goddamn thing that happened. Because I was pacing watching this movie. I had the sweats. Because I spent the whole time watching it just thinking about all the things that my family does that I hate. And how thankful I was that I didn't have to go home for Thanksgiving this year. So that was my experience with this movie. It's similar in tone to the Family Stone, I think. But in the Family Stone, we have Sarah Jessica Parker, who we're supposed to hate. So it's like mm-hmm. a monster family versus a monster woman. But in this, Claudia is a little more likable. And the family is too, I think. But it's just like how her family affects her mental health and well-being. So I was restless watching this because it was just an anxious woman not being able to breathe for two hours. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's funny you bring up the family stone because there is an infamous story in our family because the family stone is also reminiscent. No, this is a double feature. A double feature. We just really <laughs> like to hash out all the trauma. I think the family stone came out like 2005, 2006, and it was Christmas time. My dad suggested we all sat down and watch this movie. We all get together. Uh, meanwhile, our grandfather had passed away about four <laughs> months prior mm-hmm. to, to cancer. cancer. My dad had no idea what the movie was about. We all <laughs> sat down. We watch it. About halfway through, I think we all realize what's happening. And <laughs> My mom and grandma were just like understandably ugly crying. And my dad is like, I'm so sorry. I made a mistake. I made a mistake. I thought it was like a feel-good family movie. But then, you know what? As is tradition, it became one of our traditions. So <laughs> wow. we all watched yeah. that movie. Yeah. I had seen The Family Son. And I have a similar story because after my grandfather died, I came home for Christmas and I made my grandma watch a movie with me. And I put on Bird Box with Sandra Bullock, not being able to look at those monsters. And she's like, oh, what a great Christmas film. So then I was like, let's watch a Family Stone instead. (laughs) And I had seen it, but like, I didn't think about that part. I just thought about Rachel McAdams being a yeah. <laughs> Contrary to uh, so far our dialogue, this is not a Family Stone <laughs> recap episode, but I will say that my dad does like to say every time we watch the Family Stone that I am exactly her character, which is always a real fun time. Oh, for wow. Me. Well, let's jump into what we are here to talk about, which is Home for the Holidays. So this movie was released on November 3rd, 1995. It was a Friday. Fantasy by Mariah Carey was at the top of the music charts in the United States. The Chicago Bulls won their very first game of the season and would go on to win 70 more. Mm. 
And also on this day, civil rights activist Kendall Jenner was born. She, of course, would go on to solve racism with a can of Pepsi. So just big things all around really on this big. day. So like we said, this is a movie that we watch every holiday season. Yeah. You got to skip forward, Dylan. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Come on. This is a professional oh, Sorry. I'm not used to these professional pods. <laughs> So one funny thing about this is that when we watch this movie, my mom and her sister both think that they are the Claudia of the family. Like they are both very convinced that the other person is Joanne. Mm. Which and is there's funny. <laughs> mom is clearly Claudia. <laughs> and her aunt is Joanne, right? <laughs> I mean, that's pretty straight. Pretty apparent. Yeah. <laughs> so before we move into the main recap. If you want to see my brother's face, I'm going to put a price tag on it. So go to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for the uncut, unedited, and unhinged versions of our current shows. I'm going to monetize my family. There we go. Since this is a step closer to revealing your identity, I think we should make this video a higher price point. (laughs) No, that's just me. For the people that have been paying video all along, all of a sudden it's like, sorry. No, they'll still get video. I'll just put, um, what show was that? When they put like, over it. Oh, a true crime documentary. Yeah. Yeah, I'll put a paper bag emoji over Dylan's face. Yeah, I was saying I could like sit in the dark and then like turn the light on if people hit a certain Patreon. I Am The Cute One is now looking for sponsors. If you have a business you'd like to promote, email IamTheCuteOnePodcast at gmail.com to inquire about rates and packages. So do you have any background tidbits for us today, Donnie? I do, yeah. It was directed, this was a shock to me, it was directed by Jodie Foster, who also directed Little Man Tate and Money Monster, starring George Clooney and Julia Roberts, which I love. That movie came out, like, within five years, so it's not nostalgic. But as soon as it hits the 10-year mark, Chelsea, we're covering it. It was written by, well, it was based on a short story by Chris Radin. And the screenplay was written by W.D. Richter, who also wrote Big Trouble in Little China and Stephen King's Needful Things. So now those box office numbers that I promised you earlier. <laughs> the budget was $20 million, and it made $17.5 million worldwide so didn't even break even but that's all right it's not about how much money we have it's about what happens to your heart and this <laughs> this movie gave me high blood pressure that's what <laughs> the taglines i think that these are the best taglines we've ever had which isn't saying a lot but i really did like them the first one is when you go home do you wonder who are these people and that's not really a tagline that's just a line from the movie that they put on the poster but at least it's like consistent and there's <laughs> yeah, some true. sort of through line because we are usually really scraping the bottom of the barrel you're right of these. you're right the second one i think this is my favorite on the fourth thursday in november 84 million american families will gather together and wonder why that <laughs> that's is- great yeah and then the last one is we'll do it every year until we get it right so really the best of the bunch we've ever had yeah yeah and again it's because the bar is on the floor all we have to do is just gently step over to really hit a milestone but those were pretty good i can't believe this movie was such a flop at the box office it had people in it it had robert downey jr yeah it was also like jody foster was wildly famous at this point in time right like it was just post Silence, Silence of the, the Lambs. Lambs and yeah, it was, I don't know, it's surprising. Yeah. Well, it does make sense that she was the director because the lead does talk exactly like her. The way they like whistle their S's, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Holly Hunter. Mm-hmm. So true. Same energy, really. Mrs. Incredible herself. <laughs> so before we make Dylan break down this movie in one minute, I want to know what character, if any, do you identify as? You can go ahead, Dill. I mean... Steve Gutenberg's a king, but unfortunately, <laughs> I can't uh, really associate with this character in this no. movie. I would say I'm a mix between Claudia, Holly Hunter's character, and mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr., probably. Yeah. Like, sort of a combination of the two. Because I often am coming back for mm-hmm. Thanksgiving and am, like, less connected in the day-to-day, I would mm-hmm. say. Uh, I'm interested to hear your, your, your take on that, Chelsea. No, I want to know who you think I am. Because I know, and I'm about to get real mad. Go no, ahead. No, no, no. You're not 100% Joanne. You're only 50% Joanne. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. I think you're half. You're probably 25% Joanne, 75% Claudia. Oh, okay. I didn't include Claudia in mm. mine. I included, I said, like, as a Gemini, I am half 
Tommy and half Joanne mm. because I have Tommy's overall like manic energy and I have Joanne's martyr complex. <laughs> but also when Joanne gets called a drama queen after literally having an entire turkey dumped on her head, I felt it in my soul because those two words talk about triggering. I have always been the drama queen of the family mm. and there's something like deep inside when I get called a drama queen that mm. I will show you drama queen. I get it. So that's me. What about you, Donnie? I think I'm a perfect blend of all three kids. Joanne minus the homophobia in terms of like being tightly wound and feeling pressured that everything rests on her shoulders, even though no one tells her to do that. But I'm also like a clown that will stir shit up and make fun of my family in front of their face, like Tommy. But then I don't know if it, like Claudia is almost, and there are people that relate to her, like your mother and your aunt, but I feel like Claudia is like a Carrie Bradshaw almost, where like it's a blend of the different characters around her make her who she is so i said i'm a little bit claudia too but that's only because i feel like she's the middle circle of joanne and tommy i mean the thing about this movie that i really like is that every character is likable and every character is deeply unlikable and it kind of just depends on who they're around which i think kind of speaks to family dynamics in general of you can be very likable when you're feeling uplifted by someone and then you can be your worst version of yourself Mm -hmm. when you're triggered by somebody else so we're gonna put one minute on the clock and you can break down this fine film dylan take it away oh wow so i I guess i should have listened 10 minutes into that episode yeah so you have one minute it's a thing we do every week okay um good to know (laughs) uh so claudia played by the marvelous holly hunter lives in chicago and she works at an art museum and is fired from her job right before thanksgiving and she goes home to baltimore which is close to where we are from Mm -hmm. and she gets home and is thrown into the family chaos that is thanksgiving she has moved away from her family where her homophobic sister has stayed put she also has a brother played by robert downey jr who also moved away and there's some resentment there as well he lives in boston and is recently married although the family doesn't know that Uh, And we kind of just follow the Thanksgiving day where dinner is a bit of a disaster. You meet some fringe neurotic family members like the aunt (laughs) and Robert Downey Jr. has brought home his co-worker, one Leo Fish, who becomes the love interest of Holly Hunter. And it sort of just captures the spirit of Thanksgiving and returning home for the holidays. Wonderful. See what she did there. That was good. (laughs) So our movie opens, like Dylan said, with Claudia Larson getting fired from her job as an art restorer, allegedly because of budget cuts. But if I were somebody at that (laughs) gallery, I would like to check out what type of paint fumes are being sniffed, because I personally have never seen someone act quite like that during an (laughs) art project. Things go from bad to worse because not only is Claudia unemployed and headed home for the holidays, but she also finds out that her teenage daughter plans on losing her virginity while her mom is out of town. I think good on her for being honest, though. She could have just got that pussy popped (laughs) knowing the mom would be out of town. But I was fat with Elvis hair and bottle cap glasses and looked like Pat from Saturday Night Live during puberty. And like because of those things and that I was obviously gay, no girl I ever liked ever liked me back. So it was clear that I didn't need any kind of sex talk, but my dad, I think, had to check off boxes, so he had it anyway, but it was very, (laughs) no details. He was like, this is how babies are born, use protection if you do it, all that stuff. But like, it was not going to be an issue. And then they knew it was not going to be an issue so much that they used my lack of sex because of my Elvis hair and bottle cap glasses and look like Pat from Saturday Night Live. They used my (laughs) lack of sex as like a joke between them. And they (gasps) bought me like glow in the dark condoms for Christmas in my stocking and stuff. Like three years (laughs) in a row, like made like, ha ha, you're ugly. Nobody wants to sleep with you. They didn't say that. It was implied. (laughs) Wow. Being bullied by santa yeah but jokes on them because when i did have my growth spurt and was obviously gay and 
boys liked me, I did get this bussy pop. <laughs> and then I like told my mom everything. I was like, I shit in this guy's bed. I give blowjobs in Burger King parking lot. So then like we were catching up on lost time. This glow in the dark condoms. <laughs> yeah. You could do it anywhere. You didn't even need lights. Yeah. Damn, dude. Congrats on the sex. Man. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Dylan, how was your sex talk? <laughs> uh, it was. Hey, Chelsea. I think it was just kind of your run of the mill that probably happened like a year or two too late. Oh. <laughs> Good to know. You know, like junior year of high school. Oh. And it's like, you kind of already know this stuff. Well, there is in our family like a giant double standard for like most things pertaining to like if you're a girl child or a boy mm. child. Do you want to talk about your graduation present from your great uncle? Yeah, yeah. The sock with condoms in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was odd. It was also one of his socks, I believe, <gasps> which is just odd. Did he try to pass the sock off as the gift itself, or did he just come with a sock in his hand? Yes, that's right. It was it was sort of like a hidden little oh, wink wink okay. gift. That's cute. Big shouts to Uncle Roger. <laughs> yeah. It's like shouts. one of those nesting dolls. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if there was anything in the condom. Another surprise. Oh no. <laughs> oh, I didn't mean that. Okay. It was sealed, Donnie. Uncle Roger. Oh, Jesus. Okay. okay. All right. So after being berated about her roots, learning all about her father's unmedicated tooth extraction, and sharing a knowing look of apathetic desperation with a stranger, Claudia officially begins her descent into one of the circles of Dante's Inferno. Baltimore, Maryland. <laughs> when she's not chain smoking, reading Dear Abby, or being groped by her husband, Claudia's mom, Adele, still finds time to sniff out that her poor, pathetic daughter is without a coat and a job this holiday season. And in a scene truly right out of our family's playbook, Adele tells Claudia that if she ever needs any help, there's a thousand dollars hidden around the house just in case. Dylan, do you want to talk about when you were the last survivor? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Right out of college, I was living briefly in Buffalo, New York, and I had a job and I couldn't take time off over the holidays. And the entire family went on a trip to the Caribbean, but I could not come. Huh. I think I was home for Thanksgiving and our grandmother took me aside and walked me around their house to show me where she had just rolls of bills hidden throughout the house so that if the plane goes down i come over the next day and snatch these up before people come to take sort of a court of what what is going on at the house oh my God. i would have been the saddest most depressed rich person because there were a lot of bills hidden in that house yeah because it was literally like me my mom my dad my grandparents and then all of our aunts and uncles and all of our cousins, all cousins. were all on one flight. Mm. Yeah, I was the only person not there. Jesus. <laughs> so a follow-up question. Is a tropical vacation something your family does often near the holidays? Or did they say, oh, Dylan can't come this year. Let's book it. <laughs> this is the first one in like a decade. We haven't had one since. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then even better for New Year's as a New Year's present. He got because Pepe would film everything. His camera was attached to his hand. So Dylan, for like New Year's, got five discs of all the footage from St. Kitts and a photo book where he was not in any pictures. 15 hours of raw footage to parse through oh. to see all the fun times that were had without me. Okay, another follow up question Did Pepe get that for everyone? Or just you because you weren't there? You tell me, Chelsea. He always would give you the footage from okay. the camera. Towards the end, it was just like you'd get what you get. Yeah. But during that time, he would like edit it down. <laughs> so it was like scenes with your family, scenes with this. Oh like, God. here's you doing this. But Dylan got all 15 <laughs> hours. I got the director's cut. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Good times. Like what you're hearing? Head to patreon.com slash I am the cute one for more. There you can find uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes. That's patreon.com slash I am the cute one. See you there. So luckily, Claudia's mid-flight fragile voicemail to her brother Tommy begging him to come home for Thanksgiving was just pathetic enough to make him answer the call. He arrives without his boyfriend Jack, but with his manic energy, night vision goggles, a strange obsession with photographing <laughs> his sister's naked body, and a handsome stranger. 
Leo Fish. All right. So since you're not going to ask what you have in the outline, Chelsea has, what are Donnie's thoughts about Tommy and or Leo Fish? So my question is, why is that only for Donnie to answer? That's a little homophobic. Number two, (laughs) there wasn't much trivia for this movie, but one thing mentioned in the trivia said that Robert Downey Jr. was openly on heroin while filming this movie. And then watching that scene with him jumping on the car, I was like, Jeez, obviously, that didn't need to be listed here in our trivia, but that's why. Well, that's a lot of energy for heroin. Well, I think he was on heroin, among other Mixing things. Mixing meds. Yeah. Well, I wasn't being a Joanne, Donnie. I wanted to know your thoughts, because this is one of those things that, because I've watched this movie so many times, I'm always interested to hear what fresh eyes think mm. of it, because re-watching it this time, I am concerned about Mr. Fish. I find him a little bit troubling. Where is his family? I mean, Mm. we know about the golf, but for him just to, you know, we later learn, see a picture of Claudia, what kind of picture, and then decide to accompany his new business partner to his family Thanksgiving. Like, this is a broken man. I have follow-up questions. I think because it was my first time, I went so far into the movie thinking that Leo Fish was Mm. Tommy's new power top and that they would be felching on that couch in the living room. So then when I found out he wasn't, I didn't go back to think, like, why isn't he with his family on Mm. Thanksgiving? Yeah. Yeah, You're right. Like, the first, like, three times I saw this, I was like, oh, yeah. And I think it's so much of it is the way it's, like, presented to us because your parents are obsessed with this movie. But I'm like, oh, yeah, it's just Leo Fish. You know, he's just here (laughs) for the holidays. It's fucking odd. Why is he here? He also, like, it's apparent that he doesn't know Tommy, like, that well. Like, it's clearly a new friendship. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, very weird. And when you rewatch it knowing that he's there because he's interested in Claudia, all of their initial interactions, he's so weirdly familiar with her. Mm. Like the things that he's saying to her, you think are him trying to like win over the sister of his boyfriend. But then when you rewatch, you're like, wait, fuck, he's just like being really, really strange to the person he wants to potentially have sex with in this childhood bedroom. Yeah, Yeah, for the first like 10 minutes after his interaction, I thought he was another brother or like a cousin or something. I didn't know this was the first time they were meeting. All I have to say is, obviously, I have a brother. He's with us tonight. And never has he come up to me and taken a picture (laughs) up my shirt. It is weird behavior no matter what. I've never done that. But me and my sister spank each other on the butt. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was terrified when, thank God for COVID, I was terrified when our family and my husband's family were supposed to take a cruise together because that's the first time our families would have ever met. And I was like, I'm going to have 15 drinks a day and I will be spanking my sister. And this is not how my mother-in-law needs to meet my that family. That is such a high stakes meeting interaction on a cruise. I know. It's disgusting. Somebody might have ended up overboard. (laughs) But then we booked it, and then we were like, let's not take it. The CDC says not to. So we backed off, even though the cruise still happened. And that was the cruise, the exact same cruise, the exact same dates booked, that that fight with like 20 people happened, that they fought on 11 different levels. They started on the 11th floor, fought all the way down to the first. (laughs) And I said 20. I think it was really more than that that fought. I truly think it was like 80. Wasn't it following an orgy? Oh, yeah. A threesome happened. Like a threesome with three strangers. So then each of their significant others got pissed and everyone they came with. So then they all fought. I don't understand. So were they like, were they like duking it on the ninth floor? And they're like, all right, I'll see you on the eighth floor. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if people like got thrown over balconies or what happened, but <laughs> it went down. Or maybe like some people got pushed into an elevator and then it went down. So they were like, take the step. Wow. And if you guys had been there, they would have gotten to like the seventh floor and just heard. <laughs> and no. that's Donnie smacking his sister on the ass. Well, right I need there. to see the people that had the threesome because maybe then I would have been oh. in it. And then it would have been a fight. With my family. And my sister would have got that spank hand ready. Wow. Oh, God. Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) How'd we get there? Oh, yeah. (laughs) So if you thought that Tommy was the strangest of the Larson family, you've clearly underestimated the strange family tree. And soon, Batty Aunt Gladdy and her raging IBS joined the party. She has key lime pie, a Price is Right lamp, a Fruit Loops necklace, and a not-so-secret crush on her brother-in-law. It turns out that Henry and his tickly little mustache smooched her on Christmas Eve over 40 years ago. And then he went on to make all of Gladys' dreams come true for Adele. She was a Latin teacher. 
<laughs> now, our family does have a fun little tradition where everybody just likes to casually drop big bombs of like deep childhood trauma right after dessert. And it's always presented like a hilarious little anecdote. For example, this Thanksgiving, we learned about the time that my Uncle Johnny was left at an amusement park for upwards of eight hours. They were like, oh, yeah, Johnny still talks about that. He still always brings that up. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, I wonder why. <laughs> what the fuck? Sometimes when I get in my like, I hate my parents mode i take pleasure in making them not proud of me so then i air out my own secrets so like a few years ago on christmas i got drunk and told them about the blowjobs in the burger king parking lot like to any we were just playing board games and i was like guess what i used to do (laughs) so then i told them that like men from the internet would pick me up and drive me around just to get a bkbj and then drive me home again my mom gets high and mighty and she's like i know everything i like knew when you snuck out of the house i was like you didn't know what i did this (laughs) a number five laura have it your way (laughs) yeah that's the thing is you never know when it's coming and it's always like presented with the older generation all like chortling about it like "Ah, remember this and then the younger generation is like what the fuck? It's always very dark. <laughs> yeah, always very But dark. it's just said, like, the entire story is told in between sips of something. <laughs> uh-huh. So it's like, it's like, ah, oh, yes, that's the time Johnny was left at an amusement park when he was seven years old for eight hours and then takes a sip. And it's like, anyways, so oh uh, how's work? Yeah. Like our great uncle, Pepe's brother, was murdered because he was having an affair and that person's husband came to a convenience store to kill his wife and my great uncle stepped in and took the bullet our great uncle was killed by a botched job from a hitman yeah a hitman that's just the tip of the iceberg donnie the great uncle was that involved in the affair or he was he was was. but the wife was supposed to die Mm -hmm. that's right wow but that was presented as like what a chivalrous act he caught a stray Oh, my God. Yeah. Tip of the iceberg. So, wait. Did the hitman then kill the wife or she just lived? No. (laughs) She lived. No, no. She lived and then she worked at the pub that they all lived for like 20 years. Yeah. That was like their spot. My dad's like 17 years old, like drinking at this bar. And they're like, you see that woman there who's bartending? That's the woman. Oh, my (laughs) God. And that was just commonplace. So, do you tip her more because of that or less, do you think? (laughs) Cuties, you know I cannot see a movie without pretending I'm in it, and now it's your turn. Have you ever tried to use the force when no one's looking or thought about what superheroes would win in a fight? Then you'll want to stop what you're doing, (laughs) unless you're driving, and visit Sideshow.com. Your eyes do not deceive you. They have a life-size, impeccably detailed replica of the child from Star Wars The Mandalorian. Now, I don't mean to brag, but Sideshow did send me the child. I call him Baby Yoda. I have since learned that is not his name, but he is my son now, so I will be continuing to call him as such. And we have been playing dress up, having photo shoots, and just having a grand old time. But if that one doesn't speak to you, how about a movie-accurate statue of Christopher Reeve as Superman? They got that too. But just wait until you see the incredibly lifelike figures of Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. We are thrilled to have Sideshow sponsoring our podcast today. They offer a wide selection of premium figures, statues, and fine art from the worlds of Star Wars, DC, Marvel, Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings, and so much more. These limited edition, handcrafted, officially licensed collectibles bring pop culture's biggest icons to life in your home. And here is the best part. You can get an exclusive $50 off your first order of two hundred dollars or more it's a great opportunity for new customers to dive into the world of high quality collectibles or you can gift it to that super geek in your life perhaps that person in your life that you know would cringe when they hear that i've been letting my daughter sleep with my baby yoda and again that i refuse to stop calling it baby yoda plus shopping at sideshow earns you five percent back in sideshow rewards meaning for every one hundred dollars spent you get five dollars back in rewards that can be used on future purchases while geeking out is its own reward your collection goes farther with sideshow so what are you waiting for visit sideshow.com promo code cute one right now and get ready to let your geek side show oh that's clever sideshow like sideshow.com I get it. 
Calling all Virginia cuties, Mother Magnolia is a houseplant specialty boutique offering supplies and goods for novice, self-proclaimed plant murderers to expert-level plant parents. Educational and DIY workshops are offered for cuties in the area, and virtual pay-what-you-can plant consults are offered if you can't make it to Virginia. And with the holidays approaching, be sure to check out MotherMagnoliaPlants.com for their online shop. They've got everything you never knew you needed, from soil scoops and trellises to planty stickers, pins, cards, and apparel. That's MotherMagnoliaPlants.com. And to follow the journey, follow Mother Magnolia on TikTok, Mother Magnolia Plant Co. on Instagram and Facebook. Battle stations, battle stations. The wonderful Wedmans are here, and it's time to meet Joanne. She's a conservative, uppity, yuppie bitch, a perpetual victim, and an overall homophobic twat. <laughs> and so after a song and a proclamation of love from Aunt Gladdy, a prayer about trees falling over dead, and a riveting conversation about cash and cholesterol, Joanne finally snaps when Tommy accidentally launches the high-fat turkey onto her little house on the prairie dress. <laughs> Opinions are like assholes but also so is Joanne because after Tommy (laughs) accuses her of being a product of baboon loving she outs him to the family and spills the beans he and Jack have not broken up in fact they got married before we touch on this scene I truly thought that her daughter was a punchline because I thought her daughter with Steve Gutenberg was Alfalfa from Little Rascals in a wig for a good half hour (laughs) and then then we finally got a close up I was like oh my god that is a girl so (laughs) yeah that is just what it is but see this is how i'm not joanne because those kids while overall brats were way too well behaved to be my daughters (laughs) they were both seated at the table they had like a lot to say that implied they were like paying attention and listening to the conversation so in that way i am not joanne (laughs) the daughter was like the perfect like detestable little smart ass (laughs) Uh it was brilliant your daughters are like when robert downey jr was on that car (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, exactly no but this whole scene of tommy basically being outed again with this marriage and then everything that follows he's such a pain in the ass but you see why he is the way he is and like how it's kind of like the shield that he's built for himself when the dad answers the phone and it's jack and he's like i think i mean this but congratulations and then to see also like the mom is struggling and it's like I'm upset, but also I'm upset I wasn't invited. And it just, everything about this, like I cry every time I watch. I cried too. And I think just like how the lone American is always the best part of a British movie, I think the gay person is always the best part of a straight movie. So Tommy was my favorite. And maybe it is because of representation, whatever. I did really connect with him. So I cried a lot. But let me put a precursor out here i don't like gay movies (laughs) like if it's too much gays in one place i just can't but like one single gay perfect my favorite part of any movie what's a good gay holiday movie oh a good one doesn't exist yet all right what's a bad one there was one last year with jennifer coolidge as a mom Mm. there is a new one coming out that's like one of those like it's intentionally made to make you cry type of movie like a walk to remember oh yeah for my bang heads out there it's with sheldon cooper and i think it's supposed to be a holiday movie based on a book <laughs> Big bang. Uh, thank you. Thank Go you. On. Dude, Chelsea, one of the like worst weekends of my life was spent in Chelsea's house in college. We she subjected me to like five straight hours of the Big Bang Theory. I thought like I, I needed like a straight jacket at the end of it. I hate that show so much. I hate it. And I thought when it first started, I got tricked into like dabbling because I used to think Kaylee Cuoco was pretty. And then I was like, no, I can't support her in this endeavor. <laughs> All those shows that people are like, who likes this show? Me. Always me. I love a sitcom. I love a laugh track. I also love an adult cartoon. When Dylan lived with me and Dr. Bald, he was horrified by our taste in shows. But it's because our Venn diagram, there's so few in between. We found that like adult cartoons are Mm. something we can both watch together. It's like, here's this dorky dad. And then they have like an alien in their family (laughs) and a talking animal and chaos ensues. But there's adult themes and it talks about (laughs) bigger things than 
what you think it's about. God. See, you get it. That made me so mad. I'm glad you lived with her, not me. Philip. It was short-lived. It was like three months. <laughs> yeah. Actually, on move-out day, it was like the airing of the grievances of Festivus, because on his way out, he was like, I just want to say, usually people have one. Like, they'll watch Family Guy or American Dad, or Rick and Morty, but you watch every single one. And I was like, we do. Live, laugh, love. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) So while the psychological warfare of this movie may be mostly over, the carnage isn't over quite yet, as a game of touch football quickly spirals to Walter and Tommy being hosed down and Leo getting punched in the face. But at least there's a bit of good news. Kit calls and shares that she has decided not to bone Tim. (laughs) Which, you know, good. Silver linings. Yeah, I just thought this storyline was so weird. I feel like the grandma touched on it one time when she was like, well, that's your daughter and that's whatever. I'm not her mom and she's not my daughter. But besides that, I truly forgot Kit existed until she called again. (laughs) It made no sense. Like, what was the point? We could have made this movie five minutes. I was like, oh, I completely (laughs) forgot that Claire Danes, her daughter, was in the movie until she calls but then she doesn't show up again after that. no i thought she was gonna show up to thanksgiving and then she did it yeah it's just like pointless i don't know i also get very wary with the like lorelei rory type of mother-daughter relationship like in any movie i always groan when it's like we're friends and it's like well then that's not good parenting but go off <laughs> that's exactly Claudia. what sam said she was like why is she like parenting her like this i was like well because they're like friends like it's like gilmore girls and she's like well, She's just a bad mom. Like, I mean, (laughs) our mom was always like, I want you to be safe. Tell me when you need to go on the pill, but please tell me no other further details. And then basically laughed in my face as like me with my missing canines and braces said that I thought I was ready. Like, okay, guess we'll make that doctor's appointment. (laughs) But there's a difference between like making sure your daughter doesn't get pregnant and being like, call me right afterwards from his house phone. Also, like it's different. If her storyline was like, I'm going to stay and have Thanksgiving with dad this year. But why did a high schooler have the autonomy to be like, no, not going to family Thanksgiving, going to stay with my boyfriend instead? Right. And she dropped the mom off at the airport. So like, this was always (laughs) the plan. And then Claudia was like mad at grandma for being like, wait, Kit really isn't coming. She's like, I told you that mom. And it's like. (laughs) But why? Like, I'm kind of Team Gma on this one. Like, yeah. why isn't my granddaughter coming? Why is she in Chicago when you're in Baltimore? And now we see why it only made 17.5 million. That's true. Since a bit of drunk driving never killed anyone, <laughs> Claudia and Mr. Fish, who have literally been drinking all day long, take Aunt Gladdy home. Now, by this point in the movie, obviously, Claudia has realized that Leo isn't gay. And after he admits that he came to her family's Thanksgiving, after seeing Tommy's weird collection of sister nudes, there's like this tiny brief moment where Claudia seems to realize he's a creep. But alas, that moment passes. (laughs) And as their booze cruise continues, they drop leftovers off to Joanne, make out on her porch, and back at home, Claudia gets a little Thanksgiving stuffing of her own. Jesus. Well, they got some coffees and sobered up. Yeah. You know? Coffee famously takes care of those 12 beers and several shots. Yeah. yeah I feel like this movie, I really did like it, but I feel like overall I just have like a feeling about it. And mm-hmm. all of the scenes, I feel like they happened so fast that I don't even know what happened. Yeah, this was <laughs> a hard outline to make just because it's like everything happens and nothing happens. And it's all just about that like interpersonal dialogue yeah. and those like little one-liners. There is that moment between Joanne and Claudia where she basically is like, if I met you on the street, I'd throw away your number. She's like sadly stomping on her Stairmaster. <laughs> like that is Dude, so fucking dark. That seems- was so depressing where she's like this is the one thing that i like like to do when she's on her stairmaster yeah. like holy shit like, joanne may i suggest starting a podcast from your basement baby girl you got to get a creative <laughs> outlet put on a wig yeah dude and then and then when uh the daughter's like you said a bad word <laughs> that daughter oh i wanted God. to like sneak her hair into the stairmaster so it got caught up in that i hated her yeah i mean uh, her parents were more likable yeah. than her, which is a pretty tough task yeah. yeah once i found out she wasn't alfalfa from little rascals i was like fuck you bitch <laughs> i can't stand you little brat <laughs> so 
This movie does end, for some reason, with Claudia allowing Mr. Fish, professional grifter and potential serial killer, to fly back to Chicago with her for basically like an airline date. And again, I want to get a background check. I want to see some identification. I want to know that this man's name is really Leo Fish. What the fuck? Truly. I was shocked the movie ended and I had to rewind it because I thought I missed something big. Because he flies home with her and then we get like a five minute montage of vacation footage. No, it's not fucking vacation footage. It's <laughs> own videos. It's <laughs> memories. Memories, Donnie. memories of what, Dylan? Uh, oh, vacations? <laughs> That's what I thought. Okay. <laughs> I love this trope in romantic comedy. Is the, the person shows up on the flight and they just take a flight somewhere. It's like that is insane behavior. Yeah, swigging orange juice. Too. <laughs> what was that? It was aggressive sipping. Like hearing that orange juice swish around in the bottle and like hit his tongue. I had a visceral reaction to it. Yeah, he had like a gallon of orange juice. I also missed. I must have missed early on in the movie. I guess she's afraid of flying. Did that? Was that hinted I mean, at? Kind of. She like sat next to an annoying woman on her first flight and was like oh i'm afraid of flying which this was not included in the trivia this is just up here trivia yeah that old annoying woman is also an old annoying woman in red eye with rachel mcadams huh yeah so she made a whole career or at least two movies of sitting (laughs) that ass (laughs) in an airplane chair and being annoying wow i wonder if it's like how they used to scout models from the mall that they like saw this woman in an airplane we're like we got her (laughs) typecast wait hold on who was the guy in red eye uh that Isn't Irish it uh, Killian Murphy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. <laughs> you just unearthed, like, a deep memory. <laughs> I love that movie. You know, I haven't seen I'm going to make my kids watch that every Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we do end with the, as Donnie likes to call it, vacation footage. I want to know what vacation you take in a bowling alley, Donnie. But we get all of the family memories. Somebody was swimming on a beach. <laughs> <laughs> it's like just showing family is what you make it, Donnie. And home is where the heart is. You can be home for the holidays anywhere from a bowling alley to a beach or on a family vacation with an orgy on a cruise ship. Beautiful. Par, par, bogey, bogey, par, par. You know? I know. At the end of the movie when the memories are being played and <laughs> Nat King Cole is on. So I watched this movie like an hour ago. Mm-hmm. You listen to those first two minutes of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, I, I was like, I'm, I'm short on time. I got to start this movie. I'm like sitting there. I'm like, oh, God. I looked at Sam. I was like, this is such a great movie. Like, man, this is, what, is this the best Thanksgiving movie? And she's like, this isn't a good holiday movie at all. It's just picking at scabs. That's how she described it. I agree. Which is pretty true. Yeah, but that's kind of our family. Yeah, demo. that's right. That's right. It's been like incepted into us to like mm-hmm. be like, this is family. So if we were to bring this movie to present day who would we cast in a remake or what would we want the plot to a sequel to be well so they do hint that christmas is going to be a thing so you probably pick it up a month later for Christmas, right? But if you brought it to present day, they'd all be much older than in 1995. But that could be part of it. You could make them play the same age. <laughs> or so you're trying to cast the sequel and not cast the remake? Well, you could make a remake, but then who would you cast in it? Um... Hmm. <laughs> Did you read the email, Dylan? <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't get the email. Did I send it to the wrong person? Well, somebody planned who they would cast in a Oh, damn. Did you? Hold on. Did you send me the run of show? Yes. Yeah. Somebody got a very detailed oh, email asking you all of these questions to think about, including the one-minute synopsis. <laughs> who would you cast in a remake? I'm going to give you the heads up. The next question is going to be what aged well and what aged like Blockbuster. Oh, damn. I've been going off top. I had no idea. you. Prefer- I was like, I feel pretty fucked over, frankly, by Chelsea not preparing me for any of this. I am going to murder you. All weekend long, I was giving you hints, and you said, I'm best off the cuff. I'm going to go off the cuff. That's pretty Joanne behavior of you, though. (laughs) Yeah, got a real Tommy on our hands here. Showing up with his night vision goggles and not an outline in sight. When he first showed up with Leo Fish with those night vision goggles, I thought this was a Home Alone situation. I thought they were surveying the home. And then I was like, so then why was Chelsea so shocked that that was the plot of Home alone. Yeah. But that wasn't the plot of this. That's why. No, just spying on his sister, sleeping in bed, and his dad eating pie. <laughs> that disgusted me. Well, you go first, Donnie, of who you uh, would cast. I don't want to because you're going to make fun of me. But 
Kiki Palmer as Claudia, I think, would be a brilliant, inspired choice. Tyler James Williams from Abbott Elementary and Everybody Hates Chris as Tommy. Megan Good as Joanne. I really want to cast Gabrielle Union as Joanne, but then the ages are all over the place. But just pretend they're not. Angela Bassett as the mom and then Lawrence Fishburne as the dad. That is really good. Thank you. I mean... At some point, Kiki Palmer is going to be hospitalized for exhaustion (laughs) because she is going to be in every single movie in the next coming years. But it's also like, you're never wrong when you cast Kiki. I know. And I'll tell you why. I feel like there have been Black Family Christmas and Thanksgiving, not Thanksgiving movies. I don't even think there's any other Thanksgiving movies besides (laughs) this one. But (laughs) they're always like, you know, with Chris Brown and they don't really go anywhere. So I wanted Kiki as the headliner here to really make sure people get those butts in the seats. They didn't the first time when Holly Hunter started now. But for this movie, oh, we're going to sell out, baby. So, as you know, for our live bonus episode recently, patreon.com slash I am the cute one for the replay there, we watched Falling for Christmas, and Lindsay Lohan is back. She is making her grand return, and that made me think, what if we cast the Lohans as these characters? So, to make it centered around their family drama, but have them each play the parts. Basically, I just want a Lindsay Lohan reality show. <laughs> it sounds like this has nothing to do with them for the I holidays. I just want to see what's a Lindsay happening Lohan movie. Yeah, so that's my answer. Okay. Uh, so you guys already did, did an episode on that movie? Mm-hmm. We did. So Chelsea uh, made me. Sorry, I know that's, this is not what we're supposed to talk about, but yeah, Chelsea presented that up to the whole family over over Thanksgiving, and my dad loved it. Oh my god, I <laughs> thought he was going to kill me. He made it thirty <laughs> minutes and went to bed. <laughs> but the rest of the family did love it. Oh, that's good. Oh, it was great. I was a huge fan. Were you? Yeah. Oh, good. I couldn't tell by your voice. That's sort of just the effect that I have. <laughs> people are like, are you being sarcastic? Are you making fun of me? Or are you being genuine? Because they're all the same. No, Dylan loves a quirky holiday mm. Hallmark adjacent movie. I texted my mom and said, you and dad would love Spirited on Apple Plus, the Christmas movie with Ryan Reynolds and Will Ferrell. And she texted me back immediately and said, oh, we hated it. We made it a half hour. So then, so I was like, oh, fuck me then. So then I didn't say anything. And then I was like, oh, I'm shocked. I really, well, I did say something. I said, I'm shocked. I really thought you would like it. And she said, I didn't know it was a musical. This bitch has been to Broadway numerous times. She's watched other musicals. with. She watched Glee every week with my dad. So I don't know why all of a sudden musicals where we draw the line. But she didn't know it was a musical. She hated it. Turned it off after a half hour. Then my dad texted me later in the day and said, I finished it. I enjoyed it. So then later she... <laughs> She texted me and said, he said it was okay. <laughs> like, uh, well, you need to decide what, yeah. you're, what message you're bringing out of that house. Sabotage. Please. Wow. <laughs> Don't give them a Rotten Tomatoes login. It's going to be all over the place. Jeez. Wow. All right. So Dylan, circling back. <laughs> if we were to bring this movie to present day, who would we cast in a remake or what would we want the plot to assume? Yeah. To I'll go with the, the latter question because <laughs> I'm unprepared for the assignment. Runs in the family. So I think what you actually <laughs> do is you, you, you make it. So this movie was 95, so it's like almost 30 years old. It's a bit morbid, but you probably have to have the family circle back for the death of the mom or the dad. And then it's like, uh, what was that movie with like Tina Fey and Adam Driver? You know know what I'm talking about where one of the family members dies? I feel like it's something like that. Yeah, because then family dynamics really pop. That's right. Mm. That's right. It feels like that's probably the easy sequel i will say i was shocked that nobody died in this movie between the father eating anything he saw and then the mother's real hair i was like oh my god (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) we're gonna get two deaths oh yeah the hair thing was great yeah (laughs) i screamed so final final thoughts what for us about this movie aged well and what aged like blockbuster i think it all aged well I think that people still feel this way. I think, and even in terms of like Joanne being a little homophobe, there are still people, Candace Cameron Bure, who still feel this way. And if this movie was made for the first time now, it was never made in 1995, I don't think the script would be any different. Yeah, and it's one of those instances where the things that don't hold up still hold up because it's still true. Because even like the dad answering the phone doing casual voice work, (laughs) that type of thing, like it's so cringy, but it's also like there is a dad out there that would do that and then 
mortify the children. I think that there are such like iconic lines from this that I quote all the time. And the one scene of her in the back of her parents' car looking over at the other person in the back of his parents' car and like that knowing look, that captures that feeling of like coming home and like you love these people, but you're like, what the fuck? Agree 110%. I do want to challenge you on that. There's a lot of iconic lines in this movie part. I think, let's refocus, it only made $17.5 million. And I had never heard of this movie until you said you wanted to cover it on the podcast. So I don't know that we can say there's a lot of iconic lines. Well, iconic to our family. Like, (laughs) my dad and I, every time my aunt is circling the vicinity, will yell, battle stations, battle stations. (laughs) Like, there are those moments that I think to our family. Right, right, right. Or the... Joanne, <laughs> what, what a, a dick. <laughs> yeah. That and was. nobody tells me shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's another yeah, that's one that true. gets said quite a bit in our family. Okay, I get it. So, any final thoughts for you, Dylan? Anything that aged well or like Blockbuster or any final shit talking you want to do? <laughs> well, the boss in the beginning was a bit handsy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's not great. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't think you can find pro- – I mean, you guys have been watching all these movies. I doubt there's like a bunch of 90s movies that age really well. I think it probably aged pretty well comparatively. Yeah, yeah there's nothing more cringy than a 2000s movie that thought it was oh. being edgy. Lots of slurs. <laughs> lots Jesus. of uh, making jokes, laughing with you, quote unquote. Yeah. yeah. So overall, I think it ages well. The cast ages well. Charlie Chaplin's daughter was in it. Gladys. Oh, wow. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a fun fact I can bring. Yeah. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. later went on to play Charlie Chaplin in like that film. And in this movie, he was alongside of her. And she was just teething in the car. (laughs) That's cute. Hmm. Yeah. Learn something new every day. Well, thank you, Dylan, for coming on. Thank you for preparing for this so much, for supporting us. Yeah, my for bad. Subscribing to our Patreon and being a loyal listener. No, yeah. but you did a good job. I'm proud of you. Yeah, sorry that I uh, did not prepare. I hope no. this isn't a total flop <laughs> like this movie. Hey, $17 million is still yeah. more than $1 million, So here sure. we go. That's true. It's 64% uh, critic score, yeah. right? So that's positive. Yeah. <laughs> So next week we are covering A Diva's Christmas Carol. Is that the name? Yeah, that's Revenge. I knew a movie you never even heard of. It was a VH1 made for TV movie in the year 2000. I cannot wait. I watch it every single year. Well, so this will really just capture the spirit of me and Donnie that my every single year movie is Home for the Holidays and his is. Diva's Christmas Carol. We will also be celebrating the one-year anniversary of movie coverage. One year ago, next week, we realized, oh, nobody actually cares about Mary-Kate and Ashley movies, so maybe we shouldn't do that anymore. So we will be back to celebrate the anniversary. We've got some exciting new things, perhaps a facelift coming your way. Not on either of our faces, but perhaps some new cover art. So stay tuned for that. Again, if you're on the Patreon, maybe you'll get a sneak peek. You'll also get to see my brother's face and all of the glares I was giving him during this recording. So thank you again, Dylan, for being here. And we will talk to you later. Love Love you like a sister. sister. You did great, Dill. Yeah, sorry. I I feel like I I fumbled the bag a little bit there. (laughs) Thank you for listening to I Am The Cute One, a nostalgia podcast. If you liked what you heard, be sure to give us a five-star rating and subscribe to our show. You can follow me at RealDonnyWood on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want more of my personal brand of chaos, check me out at OnoChels on Instagram. And for uncut, unedited, and unhinged video and audio footage of current episodes of I Am The Cute One, head to patreon.com slash IamTheCuteOne. And go to IamTheCuteOne.com for the most chaotic merch on the planet. Talk Talk to to you later. later. Love you like a sister. sister.